Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life. And the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. And today we've got a just another exceptional guest. He has got a really neat story. And as he came into the world and at 22 years old, my friends, at 22 years old, he's out there raising millions of dollars. And so this is going to be an episode you are not going to want to miss. It is really neat. It's an inspirational story. And you're going to hear a little bit about what it takes, what it takes to be successful and to chase your dreams, to figure out what you want to do and then to go for it at such a speed and veracity that is exciting. It's intoxicating. And it really is just a tremendous story on how to be successful. Um, so uh, before we do that, though, quickly, <laughs> got to talk about some multifamily podcast reviews. Oh, my God, we're at 762. Um, I'll re- read out a couple real quickly. Uh, first one comes from uh, Dav- Davion 100. Corey is the best. This show is easy to listen to. Corey is so knowledgeable and always gives us detailed yet very practical insights. Thank you. Hey, listen, Davion, that's what we do, man. We make it simple. We just kind of put it out there, kind of rough, kind of off the cuff, but real. And if you if you like this podcast, it's because you like authenticity. See, I can't even say it right, but I don't care, right? <laughs> as long as you understand what I'm trying to say. That's all that matters. Next one comes from, I don't know how to say this, Ofrig. <laughs> I'm probably saying it wrong, so I apologize. But secret language of multifamily. Thanks for sharing and going into the secret language of apartment investing and how we can not sound green. Just thought I'd give you a giant thank you for taking the time to go through this. Really, that's what we do, man. That's that's my goal in this podcast is to teach, coach, and then just bring great guests on the show because I know it can make a difference in moving your needle. And really, that's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's about you guys. It's about trying to get you know, to your place, to your happiness, to your sunsets and palm trees. All right, with that said, so um, Kyle McCrady is a 22-year-old multifamily syndicator. Uh, he was in pre-med. He was a pre-med student, Division One soccer player at UC Davis. Um, he was able to syndicate two deals, almost raise a million dollars, have 119 units under his belt, and he's getting ready to do his first full-fledged, like all-on-his-side-GP all deal. So it's going to be a great show. Um, we're going to, inter- inter- uh, going to introduce them in a second. But before we do, a word from our sponsors. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. 
At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, room. we're back, guys. So get get ready. It's going to be exciting. This is a great show. Here we go. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I mean, I, lately I've just been having nothing but like, I've been hitting nothing but fastballs. Everybody that's been on my podcast lately has just had a cool, unique story and yours is no different because, listen, for everybody listening right now, Kyle is 22 years old and in the game. Like, you're not just doing it a little bit. You've opened the can wide open and you're sitting there chugging that thing down like a nice cold 40, right? Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about your story, man. Like, can you give us a little background of who you are because I, I was reading, playing uh, soccer. Are you still playing soccer now? Uh, I played in college. Here, yeah, here. you you open it up, man. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy it. I already let's hear about it from you from your your point of view, bro. Of course, man. Yeah. So um, I played Division One soccer at UC Davis up in Northern California. I'm from Austin, Texas originally, and uh, soccer was pretty much the only way I was going to get to school or any higher education for that matter. My grades just weren't there, um, and so I put most of my effort as a kid into soccer. I got lucky and got a Division One scholarship out there. So I went there. I studied pre-med for two Hold years. Right. There is no thing as luck, right? Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, Grace, we'll say that then. Yeah, you worked You worked very hard for it, I'm sure. My daughter's in soccer, so I already know this. I already know if you go to the soccer, you probably start when you're five, right? And it's a, year-long, yeah. it's a year-long sport until you get into college. Yeah, and especially in, in high school, when you're trying to play in the Division One level, you typically go to a league called the Academy or Development Academy, and it's year-round, and the teams in our yeah. conference are in Colorado and Kansas City, so they're, it's pretty difficult it's to... It's travel, uh, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a full-on commitment, right? Absolutely. That's what I, so I love this, because I think this is going to parallel why you're, so, why you're getting success, because that type of... To get to D1, by the way, I mean, that's, that takes a lot of work, right? Yeah, apparently only one and a half percent of all high school athletes play Division One sports. Yeah, so kudos to you, brother. All right, man, continue on. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like I just wanted to hit a pause because that's a big thing, right? I mean, I, I look at my kids are 15 and 16, and they're coming, you know, they're starting to go, and one wants to play Division One football. And, like, that's a whole different level. Like, and But he's got that extra little grind gear that he wakes up five o'clock in the morning and it's the same thing with you i'm sure like you don't get to that level by just playing on the weekends you're playing when else no one else playing yeah absolutely i mean and so that kind of does tie nicely with the rest of the story i mean i really wish i had discipline in other areas of my life i only had really developed it in that area um so i was doing pre-med at a very difficult school almost every uc school is really difficult davis especially uh, especially for their pre-meds so i was just kind of getting beaten down by school and also the requirements of division one sports on top of that and i read rich dad poured out my sophomore year and i just kind of um realized man I, i'm trading a lot of my time for this hope of money down the road and i'm not really understanding this exchange i'm not understanding that i can have things work for me i can work hard up front and build things that pay me money independent of my time and that really opened up a whole new door for me and so i just got really interested in real estate and actually my sophomore year i dropped out of college in january of 2019 
and I did my first 107 unit syndication in June of 2019 um, in Louisville, where I raised capital. And from then on, I was I've just been doing that, and now uh, I'm an operator in Austin and trying to get some stuff closed here. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you just brush over it so lightly. I, I love this. I love this. Okay, so we got to unpack this. Okay, first of all, college, get it. Like, this is every kid's dream. Okay, like. Anybody that's playing sports, their dream, D1, you get to D1, right? Smart kid, obviously you're making good grades because you're like, I'm pre-med. And then (laughs) it starts to like, it's coming, bro, right? And you're like, this is a grind. You start looking at that success track and you're like, what? Uh, It doesn't make sense as much, right? But you read it, but you all of a sudden, now who gave you that book and why did you read it? Man, I think I was just in a place where I needed something, and I, I honestly probably Googled like just top 10 best business books and got lucky that, that it happened to be Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I got on Amazon, came the next day, read it in I think a day, like just sat down and read straight through it, and then was pretty much like, I don't think I can see the world the same way anymore, and I definitely don't think I can keep going to class for, I can't keep working 15-hour days for school, and, and it's just not it's just not for me. The concept in Rich Dad, I mean, most people probably listening to this have read, read this book, but I but you're fresh. You're you're an FNG, the freaking new guy, okay? 22 years old, coming into coming in hot. You read this book and the concepts in it totally different than what we're we've been taught mainly in your educational system. Mhm. Right? Yeah, the math just doesn't work. So that's really what I realized was Go get a job or, you know, own a business. Mhm. Yeah. And I, and I just realized that, like I said, the math doesn't work as being an employee at a, to a degree. Like if I was to be a doctor and go and get that salary at in a 300K a year mark, the tax bracket goes significantly up, cuts into a lot of that earnings. And then also I have student debt on top of that that also really interrupts my compounding as far as my investments starting early. So I realized like, all right, let's skip all of the student debt. Let's skip the carrot down the road um, because if I make more, I'm going to get taxed more. And I can just start investing now. And really, if I am persistent and don't quit on investing, regardless of if I have a 2008 in my investing lifetime, which is highly likely, if you just continue to persist through that and invest early, you really won't like lose in a sense if you continue and you don't quit, which is the hard part. But of course, starting as early as you are and just investing in anything, even if that was just index funds, I was probably still going to give myself a very good chance of success. And so that kind of made me feel more confident about that decision to, to drop out. Dude, I'm loving this. I love so because listen, most people are gonna struggle with this. If you have kids right now and you're listening to this, and like my kid wants to drop out of of, of school, what you, you know? Because what's what's on the other end of that is the safe route, right? Which honestly, for the right people, that safe route looks. Listen, are we ever safe? I mean, you're what 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 are you considered? Hold on, I gotta get this right. I'm gonna say it wrong. I think I'm a Gen Z actually. I was born okay. in '98. All right, so he's a Gen Zer, okay? And we—I mean, that's got to be something like, where do I go? I don't want to own anything. I want to be able to. I want to. Be, I want flexibility, right? Yep. Something like that. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, no I'm one tell me what guy, to do. So, I, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here you are. You're facing this thing, and you're like, dude, I'm gonna drop it. Now, what did your parents say when you thought it? When you when you told them? 
So I told my dad immediately because me and him have a great relationship, but um, we, we had a little pact not to tell my mom for just a little bit of time until I could maybe get something uh, material. And so after that first 107 unit deal, six months later, we finally uh, told my mom and that was quite the conversation. But um, my dad honestly supported me. He said, you know, son, you've always had this thing where you walk into a room, people notice and you can't really like teach that. And I was like, all right, cool. I have the support of my dad, which really helped me out a lot because there were some, as you can imagine, some dark moments when like, you just drop out of school and you give up a lot of your dream uh, or your old dream for this thing that's not proven at all. And, you know, I had to get a job at a senior living facility and, and do the morning shift and wake up early and go and stay out late doing meetups and trying to speak at local meetups and meet with investors. It was just six months of, you know, working nonstop. And the ironic thing was it felt better than like the 14 hour school days, even though I was doing 20 hour days for my own business. It was just, I feel like that, that really taught me so much of like, it's really about what you're working to rather than just the sheer volume of your work. Amen. I love, this is a such, this is going to be such a great podcast, dude. I'm telling you, I'm getting goosebumps listening to it because, so I don't know, like rich dad, poor dad changed my life, right? That book, that is the book. Most guys that really get the change, like just like, oh my God, I feel like they've all had that book in common, right? Is like you read it and you're like, dude, that's that is it. I didn't, and he doesn't give you all the like steps on how to. He just creates the concept of you should be kind of working for yourself. You go to that ESBI triangle and you start placing yourself on the map. You're like, oh shit, I'm in, I'm in. This is, I don't want to be here. You know, Kansas has got to go bye-bye. And that's what you did. You made that, you came to that realization quick. And it feels like, it sounds like you did kind of a self-assessment as well um, to say, you know, where am I? You know, and where do I want to go? People keep asking me like, well, how did you make that jump? I know a lot of people who want to make that jump. Um, And really, I think it was just that I was realistic about how much I disliked my current situation. And a lot of people put out why they want so badly to move somewhere else. They put a lot of joy out in front of them, but there's no pain where they are currently. So there's no real push. There's some pull, but there's absolutely no push behind them. And for me, like, yeah, I want to be financially independent and do have a real estate business. Of course, I thought of those things, but I also did the thing of saying, I really hate where I am and I can't stay here. There's I no really just, there's nothing for me here. I have to move forward. And so that kind of forced me to go forward. Yeah, so there's no there's no better motivator than pain, right? And it's immediate like ah, this sucks. I don't like it. I don't like the schooling. I you know the you know to play competitive soccer and to try to keep all this up. Like, and what do I get at the end? Three hundred thousand dollars that I got to be taxed on and a bunch of school debt that is gonna is like dragon lady coming on top of you. Like, oh my god, right? And you're like, dude, that's not that's not it that's I, there's a different way and you start once you once you kind of manifested on that way then you just rolled up your sleeves and said what is, what is what's the entry right absolutely yeah what it'll take i'll do whatever it is because there has to be a better way than this and so you said you just got a job at <laughs> doing what like senior living facility it was the only place hiring and they were a two mile bike ride each way so i was so like what are you ah, doing there? there. mopping the floors what are you doing there man it's even worse than that, man. Um, it taught me a lot about service and self-sacrifice and not putting yourself over everybody else because there were some things I was asked to do that were definitely not fun. You're, you're I mean, cleaning, I had to six clean, eight. You're cleaning some stuff that's not, not people are happy about, right? I'm helping people take showers. I'm waking people up out of bed. I'm putting ointment on, on scabs and stuff. Yeah, man, it was, it was quite a job, but it was the only place hiring, and I had to pay my rent while I was trying to uh, go after the stream. So Kyle, I, just I love this. I love up. this, right? Listen, to get where you want to go, 
you've got to do things that most people are never willing to do. Fact, right? Here you are, you, 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 there's a pivot, there's a fork in the road, and you come right up to it, you're like, I got two choices. One, I think it's gonna take me away farther from my dream, because once you inserted the new dream, the new dream was way better, right? And the other choice leads me to it. And the other choice requires the payment, prepayment, is a little suffering, a little pain, right? But you're not, I mean, but you've been in adversity before. I mean, as a sports guy, especially at your level, that's adversity. That's just like, how hard am I willing to work, right? This is a Rocky movie playing out right now. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So Rocky comes in, he gets punched in the mouth, right? You read the book, you got punched in the mouth, and you're like, okay, but I see what, what's, what's down the road, and I'm ready to go get it. So you go get the, the, the crappy... I say not a crappy job. Like, listen, there's a lot of humility in what you just did, right? And but you're like, I don't care. So what? I'll do whatever. So what? I gotta, I gotta make my. I just gotta make my my payment for my living, right? Yeah, pretty much. And now, and now you get done with that job, and then the real work still still there waiting for you, which is what? Tell me what you did now. Then I had to go to a local meetup uh, for real estate. I found it on meetup.com and, and I started networking with the organizer and seeing if I couldn't get some sort of a segment to speak on stage about multifamily because a lot of people were speaking about flips and birth strategy and some single family things, but nobody was talking about commercial real estate and definitely not multifamily. And I also saw it as a way to get some more credibility because when you're on stage with a mic and you look my age, it's slightly more interesting and you kind of get this like rebound effect of now your age is somehow a huge strength because people think you're like uh, up and coming sort of individual and they're like, oh, I want to get by this guy. But if you don't have the mic and you're not on stage and you're in the crowd, people are like, yeah, um, can you give me another Coke? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, dude, they think I'm working the event. They're like, can you give me a Coke and help me with my name tag? I'm like, "Uh, no, I'm here too. I'm an investor. They're like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, go give me that Coke. Give me the mic. So you already knew that to like, this is a classic Trump move for, and if you guys hate Trump, I don't care. Okay, so... (laughs) Listen, you gotta you gotta go demand and be the be the be the show, right? Like if you don't have the mic, you're not the show, right? And you know once you get up on stage, something transforms. It's amazing. Why do you think I run a podcast, right? It's because because when I go out to other events, I'm the show. They already know, right? It's the same thing. So you lifted, you elevated your status, and you knew this. Right now, but you've left out a critical piece. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to dissect it because somehow you had to get some education in between because you didn't just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And you're like, oh, I, because all of a sudden you're talking to me about, you're going to go get up on stage and talk about multifamily. What did you do? How did you get there? Yeah. I mean, I constantly educated myself day and night. I read books literally all day. I would get mad when I had to go to sleep because I was like, man, I want to keep reading this stuff. I want to keep understanding it. I started underwriting properties multiple a day, probably three to five a day for six months. So I really started to understand as much as I possibly could. And then the the thing I will, the disclaimer I will say is you'll never feel ready for the first deal. And like, after I did that first deal, like I still realized how little I learned in that six month period. And then now I'm still learning stuff that I'm like, do I know anything about multifamily? So I will say like, I did educate a lot in those first six months, but I keep learning new stuff every time I do a deal or get close to doing a deal. So um, if you're feeling too. like, yeah, yeah I'm exactly. still learning it's, too. I'm, 40, I'm 47, I'm still learning, bro. It's endless, it's crazy. But like, but the key is like, 
and, and this is the deal. You went straight, full fledged. You went 100%. You're like, I'm going, I'm jumping off the deep end. And if I could teach this, but I don't think you can. You either have it or you don't. A lot of times you can present the idea, but the thirst for knowledge is okay. So you know that there's a different way. And you found multi because they, uh, because of Richard Porter, he just said, "Hey, this is kind of this makes sense, right?" Now, what's funny is a lot of people read that book and they went to fix and flip, which is not what Rich Dad, what Robert talks about. He never talked about flipping a property. He only talked about cash flow. You followed the the path and said cash flow, and then you went and got you read everything. I'm, I'm sure you bought some courses. Yeah. Yeah, I went through the Jake and Gino Wheelbarrow Profits program. They did an awesome thing where they helped me out um, yeah. and let me in there. Yeah. So, but like, listen, I mean, uh, you just started beating down doors, consuming content, going stuff. Like, it was a constant desire. Like, I'm getting in this thing. This this is where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even had to negotiate quite a bit to get even get in their group because they were like, yeah, man, we want people that are going to help everybody and add value and you're 20. I'm not sure what you, but I was like, no, man, I can do this. I can do this. And they're all right, we'll give you a shot. So yeah, everyone yeah, kind of had to you're give always a shot. That, there's always that guy that has bring something right in every group. I've, I've got them too. There's a couple guys that you're like, boy, but this guy keeps showing up. What do we do? <laughs> Let him in, <laughs> right? Gosh, damn it. He doesn't seem to know what no means. <laughs> And sometimes they'll even let you in for a lot bigger discount just because. Because at the end Absolutely. of the day, people that are successful, when they see that, when they see that desire, that, and, it, and the reason is, is this the same desire that I had, same desire you have. It's that same fire. The guys that do this at a high level, there was something like, I'm telling you, I can go back to the day I started. I still have it. I still have that fire. I've doing this for a while. I still love it, right? It's been driving me, and uh, and I see it in you. That's just what's this is the cool part is I see that that that's what I had. The flip switched, and I couldn't ever turn it off at that point, right? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Okay, <laughs> this is so fun because I just I I'm thinking of just what I think people go through. And it's most people just mentally crap on themselves, right? And they and they get discouraged before they even start. And uh, so you you make up your mind. Now you're going to these. How do you get the money? How do you start raising money? Because you did two deals. You said and you raised a little under a million dollars. Twenty two year old raising a little over a million dollars. Yeah. So that. That speaking at the meetups definitely helped. I mean, that got me a lot of investor meetings from just that public um, figure that I had built for myself. And so then people would come up to me after I'd speak and they'd give me their card. I'd set up, try to set up four to five uh, meetings per time I spoke on stage at least. And so then I would just go to those and get told no, like almost every time. But then one guy says yes, about 200 meetings in and he tells a couple of his friends. And then, you know, that's all it really takes. It just, it took me several months of saying get hearing no over and over again and driving to all these different places all over sacramento to meet with people and hear no but then you know you hear yes from one guy and you get a little bit of a breakthrough and and yeah it really just takes one person and each time you get a little bit better right you get your, your pitch yeah. is getting a little bit better you don't seem as new you it's more practice truly hers practice truly hers not one time maybe a hundred times maybe 500 times until you find the guy that wants to like wow this young kid's got his crap together.
yeah, I can bring some money to the table. I got a couple of buddies, right? Exactly, yeah. And you're off to the races. So you present, so you you go to the RIAs, and listen, this is a classic, this is networking 101, right? And no, like, and go full Monty on everything. You know, working the day job, at, we get off the day job, working books, networking like crazy, setting appointments every time you're going to your RIAs, like that's your incubator, right? Go in there, get up on stage, have something to say, sound smart, right? Even if we're not, right? But just, <laughs> but act it too, right? So you know, right, Kyle? When you're getting up on stage, it's not like, oh, okay. You're like, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to come and present and show that I'm professional. I'm ready to show the world. Right? Absolutely. And how did you have the confidence to do that? Is it because of, I mean, how did you have the confidence? I think um, my dad's just always done a good job. My family's, I've been blessed to have good parents, and, and they definitely gave me good self-esteem and told me that I could do things if I tried hard enough. And also just the the small discipline over time of doing things you don't want to do starts to compile and then you just become a different person. So for example, in the morning I make my bed, I really don't want to, I find it to be useless and purposeless, but then I do it anyways. And so I do it anyways, often throughout the day in small ways. I don't want to go to the gym, I'll do it anyways. And then if I don't want to do a certain body part in the gym, I will do that body part because I don't want to do it. Or if I don't want to go on a run specifically, I feel like, man, I just don't want to run today. I will go on a run. Like I do that to myself often where I'll get like a little voice in my head that's like, man, I really just don't, I can go to the gym, but man, I can't do shoulders today. All right, doing shoulders today. Like I'll just put myself into those situations and it does compound to where like when you go up on stage, that kind of does the work for you. All the work previously. It's not really about like all of a sudden you have confidence. It's just these small things over time making you do things you don't want to do. Man, I love, I love how it was shaped and molded, right? Because sometimes you get, you know, you had the blessing of having some good parents that gave you the confidence early on. And for everybody listening right now, too, if you don't have that, that's okay. Because you can find that. Other people will give a, will, you can borrow people's confidence. For me, I borrowed my wife, right? She was the one that gave me, the, or my girlfriend at the time, now 18 years of marriage, right? But she gave me the confidence to believe in myself, when I didn't quite honestly think I could, right? So you can borrow it, you either get it or you can borrow it from someone else, but you get it and you go out there in the world and make it happen. And so you're up on stage and this is what I love, you go out there and you just know that this is the system. Get on stage, meet people, set new appointments to go meet the people and talk about what you're doing. And when you went and talked to those people, what did you bring, what, what were you talking about? Well, at first I would just get to know them and then that progressed into me creating a small like deck of general multifamily in, in information. So like why apartments, why real estate in general, what are the tax benefits, what is principal pay down, all this stuff like that. Um, and that would slowly develop to, like a presentation over time that would help me guide them through like and just educating them, not pitching them or selling them anything, but just showing them like why the heck I just left school for this thing. What is this thing and what is the value? What do I see in it that's so awesome? And so I would just, at first, you know, it was just casual conversation trying to bring it up but then I just developed a small presentation and obviously got that got refined over better. time. You yes, this exactly. is exactly, so we teach this, right? Because at the time when you first start, it's really about having, we call it a, a credibility kit, right? It's the thing that says, here's what I do, here's why I do it, and here's why I think people are interested, right? Or here's the questions that people have about it, right? Why apartments, right? You just said it, why apartments? And 
it's funny how you you've kind of just kind of fell into that because you realize okay i'm having conversations that's great but i need to take them somewhere i need to get them to a place for them to say well i'm interested right because if mm-hmm. you don't do that then you're just you know it's like well that's great but what's my next step right and so it sounds like you kind of after a while you start you kind of figured that's what i need to do yeah, I mean, I've always had this personality where when I get into something, the people around me tend to get into it too. Like right now I'm doing triathlon, and so I've got all my buddies trying to sign up for this triathlon too. And, and I just do that stuff, and I started to realize, like, how can I systemize this so that I can, like, take whatever this skill or trait is and, like, organize it and show it to these people in these meetings? Because it only takes a couple 45-minute drives of a fruitless meeting to understand, like, oh, I need to have something prepared. I need to guide this meeting in some sense. I'm not driving <laughs> another 45 minutes to get nothing from this and, and not even to have a good conversation too so i i was like i got to get on this and, and figure out what this thing is oh i love it yeah yeah there's nothing again nothing like a big punch in the face to like oh probably i'm gonna i'm gonna get better at this right away right because i didn't get yeah. out of drive 45 minutes and gas and all that stuff right i'm 22 like it's got to mean something if we're gonna do it right absolutely yeah i, I didn't have the money for that 45 minute drive <laughs> so awesome and now okay so you do your first deal and you raise, uh, you know, call it, I don't know, it's like a half a million or something like that? Uh, it was closer to like 800,000. 800,000. Now, how did that, like, first of all, who found it? Was it was it your deal or was it, did you partner up with somebody? I partnered up with a guy from the Wilbur Profits community who was local to the Midwest and I took people in California who were angry about California laws and California real estate and I took them to a Midwest deal. Beautiful. So you planted the field Right, you're you're tending your 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 uh, you know all your plants, and all of a sudden, and then now you just really need a, a you know like we need to harvest, and it's not even your deal. I love this, but you used you networked again in another place of someone that found a deal, right? And you said, hey, I've been watering these these money trees, right? <laughs> let's yeah. let's go let's go let's go pick some of these things off. <laughs> now. Tell me what it felt like to raise your first piece of private money when someone said yes. Um, it was definitely a little emotional, man. I, I'm not going to lie. It was just, it was a culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of long hours and a lot of people, like all my old teammates kind of saying like, I don't know what Kyle's doing. Let's hope he's, you know, he's doing all right over there. My coaches too were like, yeah, he just walked away from a scholarship. We'll see how this goes. And, you know, uh, a girl I had a crush on in a history class was even like, why don't you been in class? And I was like, oh, I dropped out. And she was like, oh, well, good luck. Not interested in you anymore. So like, I had a lot of that just building up over time. Um, and so when that happened, I was all just like, naysayers. All the naysayers, yeah. But it was just funny because he said yes, and then he brought some friends in, and I wasn't really expecting that. Um, and that was just such a blessing for him to be like, yeah, man, I believe in you enough to to go and put my reputation on the line here and, and tell some other people about you too. So, um, yeah, I just and can't say it, thank you was enough. It with, was it with that group that you got that 800K? Yeah, it was just him and then his two other buddies from their law practice. Boom, right? Now, you get – so – you bring money into this. Now you got a piece of the GP, right? But usually when you're doing their first deal like this, you're not making a big piece of the GP. But what did it do for you, Kyle? At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, 
Go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. It definitely uh, gave me some credibility to where I could go and speak to brokers um, and have some sort of a track record. And again, the same thing with the Mike situation. You're no longer now like a 20-year-old kid because I was only 20 at the time. I couldn't even legally drink. And so people didn't take me very seriously, just period. But then when I could point to a deal that I had just raised capital for and been on the GP for, then, like I said, it turns into like this weird Mark Zuckerberg effect where... You know, he's 19 and he's a weirdo, but then he starts Facebook and now he's a genius. You know, it's just like there's some weird flip that happens there. And I've been just the benefactor of that. All the naysayers um, turn around and said, I always knew he kid. He was different. Yep. I knew it. We all knew it. <laughs> Very, that's actually super true. That's exactly how it happens. It's weird. but yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, darn it, man. There's something about raising your first piece of private money, right? When you get that first lick in, because I think... Um, Let's talk about your confidence. How did your confidence feel after get, getting that? Like, what did it do for you in your confidence factor of like, can I do this, right? It definitely um, made me feel more like a professional. I'll say that for sure. Um, everything was still just as hard, but at least I could kind of give myself that pep talk of like, no, man, you're a professional. This is what you do now. Like, you can do this. Um, and that would help slightly. But yeah, it definitely was still difficult. Um, and but what about the guy that you did the deal out. with? What, what did he say? Wow, right? He was, I mean, he was excited, yeah. I mean, he was just excited that, that it went through. I think there was never a point where he was fully like, yeah, this is going to be solid until like closing happened. He's like, oh, all right, okay, we actually did this, sweet. Yeah. Did you make any money off of it, of that, uh, any acquisition fee? Um, just a little bit, but nothing like, nothing yeah. too life-changing, of course, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, people think that, like, this is the misnomer. A closed deal, so I just made a whole bunch of money. Not always the truth, right? Sometimes, unless you raise it and you put it in your underwriting to get a couple hundred thousand. But usually, again, when you're the new guy and you're coming into a deal and you're just you're stepping in, you're like, hey, and you've not got any proven track record, you take what you can get and you negotiate like hell to get all you can. Right? <laughs> yep. Um, and then you realize... I'm not working for people, which is where you're at today, right? So once you, because you prove yourself, you prove that you could do it, right? And now, so then you said, uh, you, I think you said you got a partner now? Yeah, he's a buddy from, well, we grew up in the same town. He was raising capital for Matt Faircloth and doing uh -huh. some 300 plus unit deal in North Carolina. Yeah. And I was doing my 100 plus unit deal in Louisville. And we're like, dude, we went to the same high school and like we're doing the same exact thing. And our mutual friend uh, connected us and we we're like, I think you guys would really like each other. So now we uh, started a company called Zion Capital and we are looking in Austin to be operators and got our first LOI accepted last Friday on a 42 unit. Boom. Just like that. Drop the mic. Right, so you go from hey man, uh, got in my first deal, got a little GP, got a little experience, to let's go. Uh, hey, well, who else do I know? Someone put you together because when you're in when you're in activity, that's what happens, right? People are always there's always like people that are looking around wondering what's happening, and there's out there's people out there making shit happen, mm -hmm. and it's always better to be the second, right? Yeah. <laughs> When you make it happen, it's just got a different ring to it. People are like, "What's what? Why is he doing that? Where is he going?" But you're like, "I already know where I'm going. I'm going to like cash flow, baby, and I'm, I'm building something that you no one and so no one understands, right? So how long did it take your mom to understand what the hell you're doing? Uh, she may still not understand fully, but but she's more supportive, so it's fine. It's That's fine. all that matters, right? Dad yeah. understands it though, right? 
Yeah, he definitely does. He's he's just he's just happy that because I mean he started a business when he was younger too, cleaning pools. Um, uh, so I, so I meant go- to ask you that if your dad had any entrepreneurship, uh, if he was running a business or it had run a business, right? He had, and it went horribly wrong around 35, and now he doesn't run a business. But um, And I grew up relatively like not in the best financial situation just because of, of all that. But he still was like, that was such a great period of time, and I learned so much about my life and myself that like yeah. even though he things didn't go super well you. for me. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Oh, right on. So um, when you did it, how did that conversation with Dad go? Uh, he kind of always knew, man. I mean, he he's always been such a good supporter of me. I mean, even when I, I remember when I got that offer to play college soccer too, he was just kind of like, yeah, knew it. I already knew it. You know, he's always been very matter of fact about that. And that honestly is almost a better way to celebrate it um, of just like, yeah, I always believe in you, man. I'm not surprised. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I love that. Yeah, that's that's uh, you don't know this, but like so we have like my dad, you know, I grew up poor, right? I mean, I grew up super poor. And my dad was a hard worker. My dad was a roofer, taught me hard work. I've known a hard work all my life. The cool part about this business is when you get to bless the ones that gave you that, right? Because think about it, I already know soccer. They're sacrifice, dude. Your parents sacrificed to get you to this level, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I say sacrifice. I mean, it's time, commitment, it's money. It's a lot of everything, right? It's yeah. full on. Might, yeah, yeah. It's right? huge, man. It's a lot, a lot of time. And they, and it's really, it's they put their, you know, self on the back burner. Like, hey, man, like this, this you have brothers and sisters. Yeah, I have an older brother. Yeah, I mean, it's just what it is, right? And so, but he never discouraged you. Always gave you, you know, like believed in your ability, believed in always, right? That's what my dad did for me. The best part, Kyle, when you and you're gonna get there, dude. When you're making stupid money, that you're like, I bought my parents a house, right? I'm like, you guys never have to pay a payment in your life. Done. And I give him a, I give my dad money every every two weeks. <laughs> right? <laughs> I call it the drip system. But like, <laughs> he, he <laughs> but it's a great feeling, man. Like, you know, I'm like, dad, you'll never have to worry. You don't ever have to worry about like retirement. I got you, man. It's a great feeling. Right? You're going to feel it too. Right? It's something, it's unique. All right. So what's the future look like for Kyle? Because... Kyle at 22 started at 20 on your way. What's your dreams and goals, brother? Man, my dreams and goals are really, um, number one, like the reason I got into operating was because I genuinely have a passion for the actual community inside of the apartment complex. So my biggest thing right now is just ensuring that those are run to the utmost degree of efficiency and also that they're clean and that the tenants feel cared for and that there's actually community being developed there rather than just the sheer profit and the NOI, because I do think there's a massive, massive part of my heart for that. And then also... I have a big heart for having a nonprofit that helps with a lot of the education system issues that we've discussed on the show, because I feel like that education system didn't do me justice for a long time. And part of that's my issue and my own uh, rebelliousness and, and lack of being able to follow orders, of course. But there's also some, some fundamental flaws that I think should be addressed, and I'm hoping to help address them as I make stupid money, as you called it, uh, hoping to pour a lot of that into that situation. Yeah, dude, there's nothing like... There's nothing like stupid money, brother. <laughs> I call it fu money sometimes too. <laughs> it's like when someone says, "Hey, I want you to do this," you're like, "Uh, no," right? You just you get to say no more often. I think that's the power. Money is not good or bad. It's just what it is. 
Um, but the ability that it gives you gives you more choices. And sometimes you can just uh, opt in to say no. Like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't have to do it. And I think that's what it, it choices. But the other part of this, and I think you're realizing this now, is the time factor too, right? Like, you'll work. I mean, you're 22 right now. Like, dude, I wish I was. If I could only go back to my 22-year-old self, it'd be amazing. But because uh, your body gets to break down, right? <laughs> <laughs> things hurt um but i worked so hard and like but you you at 22 year old you're working for something that i i just had a job right at 22 you're working on your life now right and you're probably putting more more hours than you ever have right you'll you, like you said you'll work double hard triple hard for your own business mm -hmm. than working for the man let's talk about the man right so now that you're now that you're kind of got a glimpse now you you've seen the school system and you're on the other side of it what would you tell people that are listening right now like about that because i don't think there's a right or wrong answer here i'm telling my kids to go to school but if for some reason they decide that they don't i'm okay because there's lots of ways to make money yeah and i don't think they teach any of them in school truly mm-hmm yeah, if I had to say one thing, I would say if you're going to make the decision to stay in school, I would just hope that that decision would be made with an understanding that there still be a, a tremendous amount of pain and suffering on that route as well. There's no such thing as a safe route. I've used this analogy before too, but like if you work at like pain is proportional and it scales as you develop. So if you work at a Foot Locker and like your worst day ever is they're out of size 10 Air Force Ones, which is a popular shoe and a popular size, that is like tremendous amount of peak level pain for you because your level of threshold is equal to your position. So you're still feeling like the same proportional amount of pain that someone who's running a hedge fund is feeling. So you're not going to escape that pain. And often like I'll get in bad places with my job right now or my company where I'll go and drive by like a church and I'll be like, man, it would be nice just to be a youth pastor and just forget about all this. The thing is there's still a lot of pain involved in being a youth pastor. You got to deal with families who lose kids. You got to deal with a lot of issues um, that are also equally painful and in your role will be proportionally painful. Amen. So there's no escaping pain. And like, I think that that's where, that if you can if you can go down the school path and the traditional path and and still understand yeah i'm gonna have a tremendous amount of pain and suffering that's just how the world works then that's fine go for it but don't do it to escape that because you're gonna feel it i promise yeah it's coming no matter what you lose a job someone's economy happens right like there's no safe place to hide so uh and listen I, being an entrepreneur is not for everybody so i already i already know this uh, most people that are listening to this podcast fall into our entrepreneurship they understand what we're talking about so it's good but um it's very interesting to hear you know someone that's freshly out of college kind of sort of and just kind of gave it the finger um that point of view to say hey listen i think it failed me a little bit right like it didn't really give me very many opportunities or options it just said you got you're going here to get a job and there's so much more to the other side of that equation, which is job creators, which is what we do, right? And building communities and building all the other things that, that, that make life so much more, I think, successful and sweet. So, Kyle, um, man, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast and sharing your wonderful story. Um, truly amazing, truly inspiring for me. This is so fun. Um, if you could give, uh, well, first of all, books. Any books you've been reading lately besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad that uh, have inspired you or that you want to share? 
Yeah, I think the compound effect is just a great one. It talks a lot about the things I've been saying about the small things and how much they do add up and how really that's the only equation you have for long-term success is current day action, just addition, doing things very well day to day. And the small things that are boring, uh, those end up adding up quite a bit and they just break down the math in that book. I think it's a great one to start with. Yeah, great, great book. Great, great. uh, Love that book as well. Um, And then if you could tell Anybody that's that's listening right now, whether they're new, seasoned, uh, a piece of advice, what advice would you give? I would say just jump out and see what happens because honestly, you're never, ever, ever ready. You won't be ready after 10 years of doing your current job and then maybe when you're 35, it'll be more ready. Or I always got looped into that lie in my own head several times and then I realized like, it's extremely scary to do a new thing no matter what your age is or no matter how much experience or how much you've prepared for something. There is no preparing for the actual event. Um, I learned that from soccer too. I could train all week really hard. I'm still so nervous at the kickoff when they blow the whistle and that's just how life is. So if you really wanna do something but you're nervous, if you're telling yourself waiting longer is gonna make you feel better about it, more prepared, you're wrong, it won't. You might as well just try now and see what happens. Love it, exciting stuff, man. And if people wanna get a hold of you, where do they find you at? Uh, my website's probably the best place, kylemarcott.com. And yeah, there's tons of free resources and different ways to podcast? connect with me. Have you launched it yet? Yeah, I do. It's called the Own Your Time Podcast. Okay. It's on everywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Boom. There you go. All right. Well, listen, thank you for coming on. Guys, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, it does not matter where you are at. It only matters what you believe in your head. Kyle read a book, changed his life decided to take the path less traveled and is on his way to sunsets and palm trees. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.